to episode 128 of A Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, we've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2. In the news this week, Red Dead Redemption 2. And for our book club feature, it's not Red Dead Redemption 2, but we are talking about Rockstar as we go back to 2008 to talk about Grand Theft Auto 4. Let's start the show. Welcome again to episode 128 of A Link to the Cast. I am this week's party host. My name is Mark Robinson. Clearly, myself and uh, Dave Ryan cannot get in... Our stars are not aligned at the moment. So with me, the ever-dependable, the James Milner of the podcasting world, Jack Lazell. How are you? <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> Is it boiled down to that? <laughs> Where are you these days? Left back, centre mid? I don't, I don't even know anymore. James Milner. I don't know, like, James Milner's had a great career, but yes. I really I really don't know if being compared to him is a good thing or not. It's like saying, oh, I'm going to have cheese. What kind of cheese? Oh, just cheddar, you know, just normal. Yeah, uh, nothing. None of that, like, fancy cheese. Oh, mate. I cl- I, I've done it purely for the pop, and I've achieved this, so I might just end the show here. That's cool. I'm just going to go and put on some beige trousers and listen to Coldplay while you do that. <laughs> in fairness, I've been listening to Coldplay for the last three days. So, uh... In beige trousers? Not in beige trousers, no, in a fancy pair Otherwise of Otherwise like, you can shove your slacks. James Milner right up your <laughs> fucking Peter Beardsley, mate. <laughs> oh, hello, Jack. I have to remember how to do this show. It's been so long since I was last on. Um... Yeah, I, I normally enjoy listening to you on the show, and now I'm listening to you do the show. Yeah. It's like a weird paradox. Yeah, and it's Normally always... I've got Dave Ryan over the other side, and, and it's he's always... got like that nice Irish brogue, yeah, and then it's it... like, oh, I've got a, a lad, a rough-hewn lad from the wilds of North London. And it's always much more awkward, because I have to sometimes have to try and present this show, and that's not really my strong point. Um... <laughs> Isn't your, your strong point trying to unseat Dave Ryan from presenting the show? Sure, that's the one. Uh, Jack, um, so... <laughs> so unnatural! <laughs> Already! I'm loving this. Jack, uh, Detective Pikachu. Yes. <laughs> that's a thing. I'm I... so I'm so excited. I, I don't even I think I actually even... want to talk about anything else. Um, yep. so, yeah, so we're re- re- pulling the curtain back. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Uh, yesterday, Monday, uh, the trailer, the full trailer for... Uh, Detective Pikachu drops, and I can't say I went in with any expectations or any idea of what the fuck this was going to be. Um, at the most, I was expecting some sort of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, just in terms of it being like you know what you see as the Pokemon in in the anime show being presented as um, you know next to kind of real life uh, actors and whatnot. But no, that would have been hideous. But I mean, did you see the Mister Mime? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what... I don't know what a Mr. Mime is actually supposed to be in a non-Pokemon. Because it's so humanoid anyway. It's... It doesn't look humanoid. I feel like Mr. Mime should look more like a person. Because it looks kind of like a an anime person. Well, it kind of looks like um, Margin Boo in Kid Boo form, but dressed up like a jester. And I just, I don't know, it, it's kind of <laughs> terrifying. 
It looks like the stuff of my nightmares that's yeah. going to make me smash my head on plate glass. But with that said, uh, Pikachu looks adorable, and Jigglypuff looked adorable, um, and I just there's a lot. Charizard of... was scary. There's oh a lot of God. fur going on that I wasn't prepared for. Yeah, you know, it all looks very. I mean, I'm sure I haven't read any articles about it. I'm sure people hammer me because I'm sure a million people have made this comparison in their fucking detective pikachu think pieces they oh, get I mean, paid they're, to they're write like, they're well like, i do a real job mark no, they're like breakdowns of the fucking trailer within about 10 minutes of it being put up it's like Love here's it. everything that we've seen in a minute and a half worth of footage okay cool i can just watch Howard it the duck was the first thing i thought of. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i saw it and i was like especially like even the howard the duck in um in the sort of tease at the end of guardians of the galaxy as well it just it looks very howard the duck doesn't it it, it looks it does. like yeah. it looks something eighties to me. It looks like that sort of Gremlins kind of how the duck weird crossover, like where you can see that it's like like a fucking puppet. That Pikachu looked like like a puppet. It didn't look like a thing, did it? Yeah. It was, but the problem is, yeah. is, this Pikachu is fucking voiced by Deadpool. Yeah, and... it's Deadpool. <laughs> What's going on with that? I I, I need to know. In what fucking um, darkly lit basement somewhere in either London or Japan Okinawa. That, that this concept got green lit? Well, how I'm it, so happy. It just, <laughs> I'm still so happy it exists. Yeah, I think I'm happy. I, I still, it's like, it's, it's, it's the wildest part of my imagination, the most fevered of dreams. This entire thing, and I, I still. I'm struggling to believe that it's an actual thing that exists. Um, I agree with you on that, because I heard it a while ago. They're doing a Detective Pikachu movie. I'm like, oh yeah, of course they are. Ryan Reynolds, the voice set, I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know when you hear stuff like that, it's getting made, and then you just it never sees the light of day. It's not even just that. It's just you can't even register it as like an actual thing that's happening. It's like, okay, sure, that's someone on Reddit somewhere came up with some mad idea, and that was as far as it went. Like, not to go full popcorn social, but, like, every now and then, something hideous that exists in the world reminds me that there was a Battleship movie with Rihanna in it. That's true. You know, I still, um, I've never seen that. I still haven't seen Rampage this year, like, talking of films oh, that's, based see, but that's on... that's fun, bad movie. Is it? A, it was The Rock, yeah. so, sure. Um, and, um, I'm, I'm still waiting on that Tetris trilogy. Which I just still don't know how. But yeah, um, Detective Pikachu, it looks like it could be good, I think. I look. I think it looks like it could be magical. And you know what? I know that even if it's bad, it's going to be the right kind of bad. That I'm going to like love it forever, like, unconditionally. Yeah, I I'm f- the biggest poker mark of this whole show and this whole podcast universe you guys have. That here, is a so. lie. I'm the biggest poker mark, literally and figuratively. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I really find it difficult to believe that I won't be able to at least enjoy it, even if it's not like a great film. Um, I don't know, like the. the I came out of the trailer. You know, the point of a trailer is to make you interested in seeing a film. And uh, once I got past the initial, <laughs> this isn't a fucking real thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm well on board with this. It's gonna, be, it's gonna make a billion dollars. Like, I don't even have any sense that it will make anything less than that. Like, you can, you can bookmark it now. That that film will make a billion. I tell you what, I would love it if uh, 
like a week before it comes out. Oh, it's rated R. Interesting. <laughs> Give it a hard R. The Pikachu <laughs> movie. <laughs> what a ballsy move that would be. <laughs> um, oh my god. Uh, Love it. Anyway, uh, slightly more somber news. Um, Stan Lee passed away uh, as of this recording yesterday, uh, which came about two hours or so after the uh, Detective Pikachu trailer dropped, so a uh, slight change in uh, in emotions and whatnot. Um, it's a very weird universe, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Uh, I don't really even know what to say. It's Stan Lee. Um, you know, if you know anything about uh, comics to any degree, uh, even on the most kind of base surface of levels, you're probably aware of who Stan Lee is. Um, now, I am in by no means... Um, uh, comic book expert you've certainly read more than i have and certainly when it comes to marvel so uh, can you even kind of sum up like in in a brief brief kind of summary like what stan lee meant to the the world of comics and just kind of the, the bigger kind of world of pop culture when we look at where marvel stands in 2018 can i do that briefly not even ever <laughs> would you be able to do that briefly Stanley, put it this way, right? It's 2018, right? Stanley, bless his soul, was 95 years old. He had, he had a good the, showing, let's be fair. No, but the top two grossing movies in 2018 are Avengers Infinity War and Black Panther. They are both Marvel properties. Five of the top ten this year, which includes Venom, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Deadpool 2, are Marvel properties. In 2018... Things that Stanley helped to create, like as far back as the 1960s, are literally top of the box office. That is the kind of tenure that he has in the entertainment industry. He has had the single most influential effect on nerd culture of anybody in history. Like, if you were to like really boil it down to like what you think, like you would say any of the conventions that that happen in London and all of that, they're all linked back to comics and the expansion, like the rapid expansion and rise of comics is built around DC and it's built around Marvel. And the central character at the, at the, at the tiller of Marvel was always Stanley. He's, he's not just like a, 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 an icon in, in the sense of he, all of these creations, but for many years, in the 90s even, especially when there was a real drop-off, he was still a flag-bearer for something that a lot of people, it, it means a whole lot to them. And even into his 90s, he was still meeting fans, he was still talking to people, he was still that cheerleader. You know, He would turn up in every single Marvel movie, and it, but the, the next Marvel movie I see that he's not in, it's going to fucking break my heart, but the guy, the active lifestyle that he had as well, just think, I can't honestly think of anybody who must be sitting back earning a, a piece of that, like, just Black Panther and Infinity War combined worldwide box office, $3.4 billion mark, right? He's getting a slice of that. And even if it's not a particularly big one, lots of people at his age would be happy to just go, you know what, like, I've had my time in the sunshine, I'm just going to chill and enjoy my money. But he didn't, 
you know, he was always that flag bearer for that way of life. And I just think that I've never known somebody as influential as him to maintain that relationship with his, his fan base the whole way through his career. It was just, he's just a brilliant guy. There's nothing that you can say. It's but the things that he's done for nerd culture, for pop culture, all of that are just beyond description. And and me jabbering about it on other podcast, it's it's never going to do any justification. But uh, the guy is amazing. The things that he's created are, are, are influential, and they will live on forever. People will forever remember Stanley. He he's a he's an icon, like a Steve Jobs level icon in the way he changed the entertainment industry and he'll be sorely missed mate and it's just uh it's just it's gonna be very weird to see uh yeah any marvel film where he doesn't pop up now you know um yeah it's gonna suck um i'm sure he's already done his cameo for the next avengers movie but that might be his last one yeah it's kind of a bit like watching carrie fisher and in uh, The Last Jedi, it was just, you know, they did like a nice thing for her at the end, and yeah, painful. Uh, there's been so many brilliant articles and stuff written about, like, if you don't know about Stanley, you should, they need to make a, a documentary on him, like a really good one about his life, I think. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this um, yesterday, like after the news broke, that, I mean, at some point there has to be some sort of biopic on him, and, uh, you know, uh, just because uh, I will be honest, in terms of like him as a person and um, a lot of the personal side of him, I'm not really that familiar with him. Um, mm. So, you know, there and, and even the same with someone like Steve Jobs as well. It's like I know of who he is and his success, but past that, I don't really know. You know, like how he came into wanting to. Um, work on comics and how he came up with his ideas like yeah there's uh, there's a ton a ton of stuff i imagine could be done uh around him and his life um so but you know it's one of those uh deaths that isn't um so much kind of with with sadness it's more you know a celebration of life as mentioned the man was 95 years old um it's, it's a pretty good showing and uh he leaves behind pretty fucking solid legacy all things considered yeah and untouchable legacy and do you know what i mean even thinking about it this way like what's one of my favorite video games of this year spider-man who who co-created spider-man there you stanley. go there you go stanley and steve ditko and i think actually steve steve ditko died this year as well if if, if i remember correctly well yeah that's so, that, that's life that's, everyone keeps dying yeah, he did. He died in June. Like that is so the two guys that created a, a character for like one of the best-selling video games this year both died this year. So that's very sad. But yeah, like I mean, and that's in that's in a video game. You know, it's it's not it's not just comics. It's video. It's video games. It's movies. It's it's everything you've ever seen with Iron Man or Spider Man or anything on it. Like oh my god, it's just yeah it. it the legacy, as you say, will, is eternal, I think, Stanley. So, Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. What a guy. What a man. All right. Well, with that um, slightly somber news, uh, let's move on to what we've been playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. 
Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Oh, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Uh, Jack, I've been playing two things this week, so I'll get them quickly out of the way. Uh, I've been playing to the, the riff, uh, to Pressure, by Muse, uh, quite a lot. Cause, <laughs> it's uh, quite the riff, is it not? It's quite the riff, indeed. Um, that new Muse album, I'm sorry to start another podcast, Jack and Mark. <laughs> well, we keep saying we're going to do it, so... Jack and Mark's it. excellent musical adventure, or whatever the hell you would want to call it. But, like, that Muse album is pure insanity. <laughs> In its purest possible form. Like, it's, it's, it's better yeah. than drones, so... It's a lot of ideas, and it, not, none of them even work that well together, but no. my god, is it fun to listen to. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so I've been playing Mega Man 11. Uh, All right, how's su- that? Surprise, surprise, a new Mega Man g- g- game came out, and I uh, purchased it and have played it. Um, I haven't been able to complete it, because, surprise, surprise, it's a Mega Man game, and it's really fucking difficult. Um, it, so, you know, if you've ever played a Mega Man game before, it follows the the same concept of uh, you have eight bosses that are all themed around fucking anything from fire to plants to centaurs to ninjas to whatever else. Um, and then at the end of it, you have a collection of bosses that make up Dr. Wily's castle, and then you take on Dr. Wily. Uh, I've not been able to get past the first stage of Dr. Wily's castle because uh, the stage itself, I keep dying on a lot. And then the uh, boss of that stage is a creature called the Yellow Devil, who's uh, quite infamous from the uh, Mega Man series. And just like the Yellow Devil in prior Mega Man games, this one is a fucking nightmare. And uh, I have just not sat down for an evening to properly focus on it, because I die once or twice. Uh, Because you have to do the level first before you get to the boss. Uh, So by the time I get to the boss, I'm already pissed off. And then it's just, it's bad times. Um, But how much do they fuck you off those games? Like, really? Like, I see how so considered the movements have to be and the, like, everything. It has to be perfect. The transitions, the jumps. Um, Honestly, I don't find the Mega Man games as frustrating as, say, something like Cuphead. Um, but I think the reasoning for that is uh, Mega Man is a lot slower paced and a lot more methodical. So you can take your time with a level and really kind of break it down into its kind of components. And once you've played a Mega Man game, you kind of have an idea of how they all go. And they all kind of follow similar ideas in terms of how a level gets laid out um, and where um, specific enemies get placed. And uh, with Mega Man games and specifically um, the really good ones, they're all designed in a way in that uh, enemies and... uh, level uh, hazards that appear in a level um, specifically like environmental hazards they're presented to you in a way where you can see okay that's how I can die from them and it shows it in a very fair way and then it introduces it again later on in a more uh, kind of dangerous uh, way that you're more likely to to die Um, so the frustration isn't there to begin with. Like, with Cuphead, like, the only way that you figure out how to beat any fucking boss in a game is you die a lot first until you figure out all of his attack patterns. And it is kind of similar with uh, Mega Man when it comes to the bosses, but you just you don't die anywhere near enough. Um, but, you know, with Cuphead, it's really intended that no, you're going to die a lot before you figure out how to, uh, how to defeat the boss and the kind of the time between when you die and when you start an- another round is so quick, but you know, that's 
that's part of the feedback loop loop of that game. Um, the the levels and and the the, the um, bosses, the the robot masters, uh, you know, they are very well designed. Um, they're you know certainly in the upper echelon of Mega Man games that I've played. Because um, my fear going in is that the, the translation from the retro 2D pixel art style of the, the classic Mega Man games has never for me fully um, complemented the move to a kind of higher res 2D looking game. Uh, or even like the move to um, Mega Man 7, which was on the Super Nintendo. The sprites were too big uh, and it just it, it didn't feel like it fit um whereas you know the the size of Mega Man, the sprite and all the enemies all kind of fit within the level um in what felt the, the correct way um here it feels like it's it's kind of got that back in place like nothing feels too big or out of place for what the what should fit in the level um it maintains kind of all the hallmarks of what you'd expect of a Mega Man game in terms of treating you fairly to begin with with the the enemies and the hazards um and you know as long as you have some idea of how to play a Mega Man game you're going to kind of fit into it pretty easily um it's not hard to to enjoy this game just because mighty number no. 9 was such a colossal fuck up and was was terrible in just about every conceivable way um and certainly just in terms of the production and how it looks uh, Mega Man 11 is a very nice looking game um it's not going to win any awards for best looking game but um compared to what was its its competitor if you want to say that um it holds up really well the effects look really good the the enemy designs are really uh there's a nice variety um yeah it's it's more Mega Man and I'll never complain about that as long as they um you know, don't fuck it Keep up. Keep milking um, the money out of you. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, as long as they have some... I always say this, the, the creativity, even though you know what you're getting with a Mega Man game, you know you're going to get eight bosses, eight levels, and then Dr. Wily at some point, but uh, there's still a level of creativity and a level of originality to some degree uh, with how these levels play out and what you know, gimmicks and elements you'll find in them, like you would in uh, any number of Mario games. And uh, But obviously, you know, with Mega Man, there's the emphasis on the combat and the shooting as well. But it's it's hard to fault it. Like, if, if you're looking for a Mega Man game to do something else, you're not looking for a Mega Man game. Um, so, yeah, it's it's good. It's difficult. I might be able to complete it at some point, but Jesus Christ, it's, uh, it's given me a, a going, a, a real kind of seeing to. Uh, and that's even with the fact as well that like the the game has um, it's really started to expand on its shop, uh, which is something that was I think introduced in nine, um, which was the return to the kind of retro style. Oh. And you can pick up the uh, screws within levels, and they're a currency, and you can buy extra lives and extra uh, energy tanks and all this kind of stuff. And they really expanded that. Uh, to to this one where there's like loads of these kind of one-time purchases but they're um, uh, items that kind of are passive and, and they stay with you um, and they do stuff like you know the, the kickback that you get when you get hit by an enemy is a lot less um, all kind of stuff like that you take half damage um, and 
it doesn't take too long before you've kind of pretty much picked up everything and then you can just buy a whole bunch of lives and a whole bunch of energy tanks and even with all of that and even though it does kind of break the game to a certain degree i still haven't been able to beat this this level uh so i, I think i'm just terrible now it seems uh potentially potentially which is which is quite tragic considering uh you know i am the platforming prodigy yeah, but maybe it's just real hard, and that even though you say it breaks the game, it doesn't because you're still finding it real hard. Yeah, so maybe yeah. they've just done their job. Um, and I there is as well. Uh, there's like different um like difficulties, and one of them like the the super super easy difficulty, like you can't die basically. Like if you fall into a bottomless pit, uh, you get pulled out and that kind of stuff. And part of me is just like, you know what? I'm just gonna fucking whack it down to the easiest level, uh, easiest um difficulty, just to get through this fucking thing. Uh, but I haven't yet. I persevered. That was through. me on Wolfenstein. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was I mean, just like, nah, f this for a game of soldiers. I just want to see the crazy Hitler in spaceship. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, I can. I will never ever uh, fault anyone that wants to take a game like a Wolfenstein or any kind of very story centric game and just whack it down to the easiest level to get put through a difficult bit just to continue with the story. You can't really use that for a fucking Mega Man game. The the lore and the narrative there is uh, uh, surface level at best. <laughs> you mean this 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 Mega Man? This Mega as Man, were, yeah. In his blue suit with his little shiny helmet, <laughs> doesn't have some sort of hideous backstory uh, th- about revenge for his dead family. There probably is. There probably is. Uh, Jack, talk to me more. Uh, did you? I presume you and Dave spoke about Red Dead. To some degree already. We did, yeah. yeah. We did. But we hadn't had a lot of time with it when I last spoke to him. Um, we'd very much just sort of scratched the surface. Alright, because I'm, I'm still completely in the dark with this game. I don't know when I'm going to get around to actually playing it. Um, so it, It's a big undertaking as well. I'd maybe book a week or two off work. Well, that's unfortunate because I just took a week off work, so I'm fucked. Um, yeah, but you did it doing what sensible people did, which was go travelling to nice places. Fair. That's... <laughs> Rather than sitting in and playing a video game. Well, you know. Um, <laughs> I suppose. Um, you could have visited the Old West. I could have. I could have, but I had Spanish omelets instead and sangria, so... Uh, nice. Where did yeah. you go? Wales. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. The, uh, the famous Spanish omelette, uh, beans on toast. Um, so, no, you... Tell me, tell me about Red Dead Redemption 2 before I start asking questions. Red Dead Redemption 2 is a video game. No. So. I've heard it's made by Rockstar. Yep, it is. I'm not sure which one. Yeah, my money's on Steve Perry from Journey. Uh, no, for reals. I'm having. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I am. But, there is a but. It does feel. I can't. And I think me and Dave said this a little bit, but so Dave, Dave, sorry, so Mark, I wanted every now and then, like I want to play something for half an hour, right? Just to move. <laughs> uh, I'm going to presume Red Dead Redemption is not that game. You can't. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to, so I, I tried to play it the other night. It was like 20 past nine, you know, I'd taken care of a load of stuff I wanted to that evening. Like I wanted to get out of the way. So I was all good for the rest of the week, so I didn't have to worry about anything. And I was like, oh, it's 20 past nine. I'll play some of this till 10, and I'll go to bed. And, like, before I'd, like, even, like, 
left my camp, there was a few things to do, and I was like, all oh, right, yeah, I should take care of that. I'm like, let's do this one mission. I was like fucking 20, an hour went by, I was 20 past then, and I'd done like one mission. And I'm like, how is this game doing this to me? It just eats your day. It eats your time to a ridiculous level. Having listened to um, some people at work that have been playing it in different podcasts, like there are people that have put 60 hours into the game and haven't even you know, come close to scratching the surface of the, the actual main story campaign because they've just been fucking around in the Wild West. It's so hard not to fuck around in the Wild West. Sometimes I'd just be walking, you know, down a path or on my horse, and then, like, you know, somebody shouts something at you, and they're like, hey, buddy, why don't you fucking hear it? And you're like, what did that guy say? Because that's all you hear as you're, like, riding the other side. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go catch up with him. And he's like, back off. And I'm like, really? Back off? And then we end up having a fight, or something happens. Or, like, I see a wagon that's unattended, and I'm like, oh, I can sell that to the guy that, that, that will buy a wagon so I can get money, so I can get rid of all the bounties that I've racked up <laughs> by doing the first thing I just mentioned. Um, and there's so many, like, side things. You can go, like, do hunting, you can rob houses with your mate, your Spanish mate, and you just do whatever. So many different things that aren't even the main mission. You you can just sit and play poker. I, I like I said, I, today is the first time, I just ended up playing poker for a while, and then I've ended up playing dominoes. There's, like, a five-finger fillet game. There's so much happening. I mean, I remember doing a lot of that in the first Red Dead Redemption. Uh, I played a lot of poker. Um, yeah. So, like, I, I mean, I, I presumed that that was going to be in uh, in Red Dead Redemption 2 anyway. Um, but I don't even know if I'm going to have enough fucking time to play poker by the sounds of everything else that needs to be done. Oh, dude, there's not enough time for it. and And it is... It's so all-consuming, and, and I'm, this, by the way, this is not a bad thing. This is the only problem that I'm having with the game at the moment, is I can't just play it casually. Like, I, I could play, like, a mission or two on Spider-Man casually, or God of War I could pick up and just mess about for a while and hear him say, boy, and, and hurl my <laughs> axe at some shit. And, like, I'd be happy with that. Uh, but then this game, honestly, I can't play it for less than an hour. I, it's, it's it's my main issue <laughs> it's I, not really an issue but it's that intense man I, just... I can see how it could be an issue yeah I, I do think because um, I can't remember who I was talking to about this but um, even with something like Spider-Man which uh, you know it takes a fair few hours to complete um, there's still enough content in there um, there's so many other things to do and the, the story missions themselves aren't particularly taxing in terms of your time, that it is possible to just pick it up and play for 15-20 minutes at a time if needed be. Um, and I do think that partially uh, for me, um, because I've been playing so much kind of Switch over the last year or so, and I, I only kind of pick it up for half an hour at a time to play like a bit of Sonic or... Um, I've been playing Minute on the, the PS4 in fairness, um, <clears throat> but a lot of the games I've been playing are the types of games that yeah, I pick up for 20 minutes, half an hour at a time, that I, I don't know, the idea of, uh, of A, where the fuck I'm going to find the hours to, to play this, and knowing that, you know, if I'm going to play it, I'm going to probably have to sink in a fair few hours each time, it seems like a real kind of, uh, it kind of makes me feel like I just don't even want to start. 
you know. No, I mean it's really, really worth your time. Like it is, it is marvelous. Like stuff happens all over the place while you're just roaming through the game. Like random things will happen that will like drag your attention left, right, and center. Well, that's just actually this is what I'm going to ask. So, um, I remember from Red Dead, like you would find uh, kind of different things happening out in the Wild West. Like you'd find a wagon and you'd go up to it, and there was a woman who was. Uh, kind of in distress and then you realize that you were uh, being robbed and either your horse would get stolen or whatever else um and you'd find different events like that um but after a while those kind of events while random were also very kind of formulaic because there were only kind of so many of those types of events that would happen um that kind of thing i guess still obviously happens because you're in the wild west but does it feel like there's more of a kind of sporadic randomness to it? Does it still kind of feel fixed or... Um, yes. Yes to what? It, it feels sporadic and yeah. random. Like some of the stuff I've found, I've like, I've found a guy, he was like from New York City, just lost in the wild and really scared. And he was like, leave me back to my place. I bumped into a guy who wants to have like shooting contests with me and stuff like shooting off bottles. So do they feel like more, more like actual um, side quests than just kind of random events? Yeah. They're random side quests. They are. Um, but, like, there's just so much. There's so much to a lot of the things. Sometimes what happens is, like, really quickly. Like, yeah, you, someone will try and rob you. Or, you know, someone's like, oh, can you... Oh, I've just been bitten by a snake. Will you suck out the venom? <laughs> things like that happen. And you're like, yeah, no worries. But then other times it'll be like a guy and he'll be like, oh, can you help me with this? And then it leads you someone else, and they're like, no, fuck, this is the real problem here. And then you end up going on a whole mission that you weren't expecting. So part of me is like, if I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, I really want to go to bed in like half an hour, I'll see it out in the wild, and I'll just ignore it. I've ignored quite a few of those random <laughs> encounters, because just don't have the time. It's, sure. it's, it's insane. But um, it, the game is great. The story is really coming along. Like the the gang and stuff is starting to feel more like your sort of like your family and like you know the but you're in the camp and they start coming up to you and talking to you about a load of stuff and it's just the attention to detail is it's perfect it's just that again the thing that the place where I'm at is that I'm thinking it's a thing that I appreciate and really enjoy and I'm getting a lot out of it. But I don't know if I love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like somebody finds a perfect match for you on, like, you know, you're one of your friends, but then you're like, oh, no, actually, see, I love this person over here who has all these qualities that I know kind of annoy me, but I just can't help but love them. Um, so it's a bit like that, like, where it's so perfect. Well, and I mean, such a good game. There, like, there, are, oh. there, there are people that argued it took 40 hours for. Final Fantasy 13 to get good, so you know. Um, let's um, yeah, let's let's never <laughs> let's never mention that again. We we'll talk <laughs> about that in the news. <laughs> I, what I was what I was going to ask um, as well is how does the combat fare up? Because one of the common criticisms that you will find with Rockstar games is that the um, the shooting, the combat, kind of only serves to be there because. It, it kind of needs to be there um, and it's fine for what it is but you know uh, Grand Theft Auto games and Red Dead Redemption they're not uh, they're not shooting games they're 
I guess you would say, action-adventure with elements of other bits and pieces, driving, horse riding, whatever else. Um, and, and shooting is just part of the, the experience. Um, do you feel that there's been any refinement with the, the shooting, or um, does it still feel just kind of like, oh, okay, you can easily lock onto enemies and you can, you know, clear through them and off you go? Uh, or, yeah, that... Yeah, is it is still that? Okay. It is. It has... I mean, it's marginally better. The dead eye function is really cool. So you have like a sort of Max Payne-esque bullet time thing that you can go into. Um, so if you if you are like ambushed, I know people hate being ambushed and all like have bounty hunters coming for them, but the dead eye thing gives you the opportunity to slow down time for a, like for a period which you can sort of train and get more experience in, and then maybe shoot one or two enemies at a time and make you know sort of halve a problem or at least reduce a problem that's in front of you if you need to uh but other than that it is a sort of cover based shooter the the hand-to-hand combat is mm, it's all right it seems a bit difficult to know when obviously if like a life bar came up on the other person that you're fighting it would be a bit too much but it feels difficult to know when you're making a real sort of impression or like wet, like in a fight, like when when to grab people and when to do certain things, like that doesn't really work out. But I guess that makes it feel like more of a realistic brawl. Um, so if that's what they were going for, they nailed that. But yeah, I, I don't think it's intrinsically different to Grand Theft Auto Five in that sense, in the way that the shooting works. But that doesn't really bug me that much. Um, I'm quite the auto lock on is a little bit like a bit too friendly like to the point where you do want to take it off because you're like actually this does make this quite easy um but at times if you're like having a ranged fight you know where you're in like a, a clearing or something and there are people on the other side of the clearing shooting at you it is good to have the auto lock on because you wouldn't be able to pick them out maybe unless you were in first person and you were looking down the sight of your gun so yeah, I can't complain from that sense. I think I think it will feel very familiar if you played it many other Rockstar games, Mark. But okay. yeah, it's worth it. It's a it's a it's a real it's a real marvel. Um, no pun intended after the Stanley tribute, but there are there are just things that you have to see when you play it. I think it's an experience you need to have. All right, cool. Well. Uh... If if you have anything else to to add, now's the time to do it. Otherwise, uh, we can move on to the news. Uh, yeah, it's it's cool to beat up people and steal their hats. <laughs> I was wearing a train driver hat. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you? And with that note, we shall move Choo-choo, on. Choo motherfucker. We shall move on to the news. News on the march. Jack, a husband and wife have been ordered to pay $12 million to Nintendo for running ROM sites. Oh, uh, boy. Tell you what. Tell you what. This has been said a number of times on this show. Uh, Nintendo, they are the creators of happiness and uh, wonders and joy, much in the way uh, like a Disney. But also like a Disney, they are a fucking business, and they will not hesitate for a second to... Uh, to 
stamp out those beneath them if needed be. Uh, an Arizona couple have been ordered to pay Nintendo uh, $12.23 million in damages for running a pair of sites which offered uh, pirated ROMs. Uh, Jacob and Christian Matthias uh, admitted copyright and trademark infringement for operating LoveRoms.com and LoveRetro.co until July this year, when Nintendo intervened. Uh, the sites registered under Matthias Designs, uh, a company set up by the husband and wife, offer pirated versions of games such as Mario Kart 64, Donkey Kong Country, Pokemon Yellow and Super Mario World. Uh, both websites were pulled offline when Nintendo threatened legal action and replaced with a notice saying they were undergoing maintenance. Uh, so this isn't the first time that uh, stories about uh, ROM sites have, have come uh, under attack from uh, different developers and publishers. Um, and, I mean, <laughs> $12 million is a lot of money. Uh, not to Nintendo, yeah. obviously, because, you know, Pokemon exists. But uh, how, how do you how do you see this? How do you feel about this? Is, is it just such a ridiculous sum of money to just scare off anyone else? Uh, attempting any... To, just trying to stamp out ROM sites in general. Do you remember the news fucking bulletin of Lars Ulrich standing outside the offices of Napster holding a list full of people and threatening to sue them for downloading songs this kind of has that element to it where it's just like oh for f- literally if you stop it like if you've prevented it from happening fine but do you really need to chase after the people that did it and guess what you've taken these people's sites down but but much like it always seems to happen on the internet. There's probably now a million other places that you can get those ROMs from already. So what is the point of doing this? Really, it's just a it, it's just a bad PR move to chase after these people. Well, you say bad PR move, but I don't think anyone's going to bat an eyelid come tomorrow. N- no, they won't. But it's just not cool, though, is it? Like, no, it's just not a cool thing to do, and it's a shame because. At the end of the day, right, there are no, in this, at this point, if you wanted to, there's a legal way to obtain some of the things that were on that site, I would imagine, whether you buy a mini SNES, which by the way, they barely made any mini SNESs and mini NESs, <laughs> that's part of the problem in the fucking first place, but like, if you want to legally play Mario Kart 64, you better go dig out your fucking Wii U. Right, and you go buy it from the Nintendo store on there. Or if right you're, now, or if you're me and you, you still have a Nintendo 64 and yeah. a copy of Mario Kart 64. But that's it. You can't buy that shit retail anymore. I think you can probably still buy Wii's, but like that's the only legal way to play it. So I'm gonna have to buy a console that everyone stopped playing literally years ago now to buy a copy of a game which came out in 1996 or something like that. Really, really. Like, it's just petty until they make all of their games readily available to purchase. Look at more, look at things like iTunes and, and, and Spotify and, you know, it shows that people will pay for stuff if they can obtain it legally in an easy to digest way. How many people subscribe to Netflix? That's probably hugely dented people pirating stuff just because it's easier when the technology for the delivery method of playing something becomes easier than it is to pirate it, then people are going to pay for it. Nintendo, 
make your games available. Do not try and make $12 million out of these people. Because if you put Mario Kart 64, Mario 64, and all of those games that people love on the fucking store, tomorrow you will make more than $12 million and you can leave these two fuckers in Arizona alone and everybody will forget about it. Like, Jesus. I mean, in fairness, I uh, only downloaded pokemon red to my tablet just because i thought it'd be funny to do um <laughs> don't say that in public they're coming after you now i really I... i'm just gonna see like random yahoo in park west dublin <laughs> is sued by nintendo jack jack uh, there was one time when i was playing five legally obtained versions of different pokemon games at the same time i think i'm good and I'm pretty so. sure. I'm pretty sure. They're coming for you. I'm pretty sure I own at That's least. That's them on the door right now, Mark. I own both a physical and digital version of Pokemon Red, so I'm pretty sure I'm all right. And I also have somewhere Leaf Green or Fire Red still, so I'm all right. <laughs> Nintendo Police, <laughs> open the door. Uh, but yes, I, I agree with everything you have said there. Uh, and it's nothing that people haven't been saying for years. No. It's not an original thought. It's not a rant that you haven't heard on some fucker's YouTube channel. But gee, it's just so obvious, isn't it? But Imagine the... all the filthy, disgusting money that they could make from all of these old, what are essentially ROMs. Well, one of the other things as well is, well, yeah, that, that's the other thing as well. Like the NES, it's basically just a slightly advanced ROM machine but with a Nintendo case on it. But um, one of the things that people make the argument for when it comes to ROMs, and not so much for, you know, your Nintendo games or anything, but uh, just in terms of the the preservation of of, uh, video games, because there isn't really any kind of precedent set in stone. And, you know, um, a book is a book, and unless you set it on fire, it's it's good to go. Um, With a lot of... Uh, old video games either the consoles are you know a lot of those consoles are uh, breaking and a lot of the cartridges are breaking like if you think back uh, to something like you know any of your Game Boy games um, most of them at some point have either stopped working or will stop working because they all have an internal battery and um, you know at some point they're all gonna um, be dead and it's only on the uh, work of the publisher slash developer to uh, kind of do something about that to make the game available in digital form, and now we have seen that over the years, um, certainly the uh, the rise of the digital market and games becoming readily available in digital form um, means that these games are uh, available in some form of fashion. But they're still all tied to that company server, and at any point, you know, they can make the announcement that right, that's it, that's the the end of you know the the marketplace for the Wii, you know, when that stopped um, being produced or whatever else. And then those games aren't available anymore. So there is the argument um, in the sake of preservation that um, certainly for a lot of classic older games, um, you know, stuff from the the, the 80s, you know, anything for the the Atari uh, 2600, that they are there being available in in ROM form um, means that... uh, you know they're still available uh, to play in, and, and you know they're they're not lost to the uh, to the, the video game uh, graveyard. Um, yeah, and, and like, I can what? see arguments. If it's nineteen sixty-seven, I go get a vinyl copy of like fucking Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You know, like a decade later, I can buy it on tape. A decade later, I can buy it on CD. 
and then a decade after that i can probably download it from napster and then a decade after that i can get it straight downloaded from itunes but then a decade after that in 2018 i can now stream it on multiple platforms watch youtube videos i can fully embrace listening to lucy in the sky with diamonds in any like digestible format people want that with video games you have literally the greatest handheld console that anyone has ever built and it's sold like it so far as well preservation argument i mean it's so obvious yeah and it doesn't really apply here because i mean anyone that is downloading super mario world it's hard not to think that at some point they have purchased at least one version of that game i know i've purchased about fucking five versions of that game um so like you know is it i find it hard to believe that uh nintendo have lost 12 million dollars uh on you know these games existing and it's obviously not these games there are others as well uh it's yeah <laughs> they should be ashamed of themselves for suing these people get the site taken down and just ignore it be classy fucking sue some people of arizona what else have they got the cardinals suck this year it's i was sat there with a substandard football team and like they don't even have anything like even new mexico like albuquerque and shit has breaking bad what does arizona have nothing uh daniel bryan lives there i think yeah you know why because no one else is there Anyway, moving on. Uh, Red Dead Redemption sold more in eight days than Red Dead Redemption 1 did in eight years. Oh me, oh my. Uh, 17 million copies of Red Dead Redemption 2 have now been sold. Uh, Publisher Take-Two trumpeted in an earnings call investors last night. During the call, Take-Two also briefly mentioned that Red Dead Online, uh, which is still set for launch later this month... So yeah, uh, Red Dead Online will uh, arrive uh, as a public beta version, um, which is something rare for Rockstar, uh, around the end of November, and um, it's fair to say that Rockstar and Take-Two are going to make a lot of coin off of this game, more so than they already have. Yeah, they'll make they'll make more from the online than they have done here. And considering <laughs> they're still making a lot of money from GTA V as well. Yeah. Um, I would be very happy <laughs> if I worked in either of these two companies <laughs> at a senior level. Well, I was going to say way. at a senior level, because if you work anywhere below, then you're working 20 hours a day, and uh, yeah. allegedly, not anymore, apparently. And then Dan House is bragging about it yeah, on an geez. interview. Um, there's not much more to say. Uh, we knew that Red Dead 2 was going to make a lot of money, so cool, whatever. Uh, the interesting, or the thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, so... There was a YouTube video that was up. Um, I'm not going to talk about the, the, the YouTuber in person or his name. Uh, he had a video up that was, um, shall we say, promoting violence within the game, um, punching a, a suffragette and um, just, you know, general all manners of abuse at um, a pro-feminist. Uh, now, this video got taken down by YouTube. And then uh, they backtracked on that and they put it back up, uh, but it was reinstated with age warnings. Uh, now the video itself 
the uh, significant portion of the comments below uh, were all very um, in the vein of anything that you would have ever seen on the worst parts of Reddit, 4chan, 8chan, and so on and so forth. Nine gag. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just trying to think of all these wanky bastard yeah. websites. Uh, it, there, there is real no real benefit to this video existing, but it is worth talking about. Now, obviously, the content itself is uh, horrendous, goes without saying. Um, now, it's not like you haven't been able to uh, inflict uh, very awful um, things towards uh, men and women in other Rockstar games. Uh, you know, the, the, the controversy that existed around GTA 3 with being able to uh, pull over with a prostitute and then watching as the two of them sat there stoic-faced as the car rocked back and forth. Um, before and nothing happened. Yeah, before <laughs> visually, before pulling the the woman out and killing her and taking your money back. Um, yeah, you can see why uh, some people weren't particularly pleased about that. Um, I think the most offensive part of that is the fact that your main character's name is Claude, among other things. Sure, so Beaten to death by a man named Claude. So here's the thing. Um, is it right that YouTube should have pulled this video, be considering that all the content that took place within this video takes place within the game itself? Um, this is this is kind of one of the big things that is up for discussion. You know, what what line do we draw in terms of what is deemed um, offensive and what is deemed as something that should be suspended and removed from YouTube? Um, because if it's in the game you could argue that it's it's fair play. Um, on the other hand, this is uh, a, <clears throat> a YouTuber who is very much noted with, if you look at the, the content and videos that he has, um, who clearly is, you know, of the, the worst part of the uh, kind of red pill, alt-right, pro, just all the worst things in life type of audience. And... Uh, you know, I, if he this video had been pulled, no one really would have been worse off for it. So YouTube now see themselves in this uh, kind of awkward situation where they've removed this video, clearly taken a lot of uh, heat from it, from um, a specific, specific, specific part of uh, the, the Red Dead Redemption audience and, and the alt-right and whatever else. Uh, and then they have put this video back up, and then obviously they're now taking heat from... Um, other people. Uh, Jack, well, what do you think about this? Um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Oh my god. Um, uh, yeah. What a fucking I, mess. <laughs> I don't know. It's tough. It's real tough, man. Because it's in the it's in the game. Um, not in the EA Sports way, but it. <sighs> Should Rockstar have put this in the game? I guess. Because, like, pretty much every other opportunity that you get into a cutscene type situation with somebody, you could easily, like, hogtie them or beat them or shoot them. I mean, you can punch a horse. You can punch a horse, um, and it will get you the fuck back if you do. Don't mm. worry about that. It will hoof you right up in the air. Um, and I just. <sighs> it's. It's a, a point in society where stuff like this is kind of really 
it, it's making people emotional in, in both directions, you know. There's the freedom of expression argument, but then there's the the people that use it for the ro- wrong thing or the right thing. <sighs> this is the sort of thing that usually gets me, in tr- not in trouble, but usually gets people shouting at me like, oh, you're a fucking centrist, take sides or whatever. I am absolutely 100% you against... Are- you you are not boogie, all right. No one is as fucking centrist as boogie, so you're fine there. Like, I am I am one hundred percent against people using this in some sort of propaganda esque way, be they hardcore on one side of you know outright etc etc, or whether they're like trying to to use like they're trying to censor everything out of everything. Those people also are are not equally as terrible but they are annoying also rockstar have got the right to put whatever content they want in their game it is artistic expression for them to do it and i have every right to support them doing that so therefore if somebody puts a video of that segment on youtube in my opinion, it should be there to stay. Now, if they jabber over the top of it about how they hate women and that women deserve to be this, that, and the other thing, that's when you just pull it down. You can pull that down. It's the additional content, but the actual footage from the game, mm, I don't know if I'm I'm comfortable with them really policing that because it just opens too much of a sort of wide chasm to say, well if this is a thing that exists, why can't we view it? Why can't we digest the content without an age warning? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So the age warning element to it makes sense, but how much right now, if you're a kid, right, you're like 13 years old, you can pick up an iPad and you could key in any scene from any 18 rated video game and you could watch it. So to me, the issue here is more to do with, the only way that I would want it censored and the only reason that I want it censored is just because I wouldn't want viewers of a certain sensitive age demographic to be watching it. Whereas and the, other the thing... actual raw stuff itself, if you're over 18, then there's nothing wrong with it being there for you. The, the other thing that's fucked up about this is the fact that, um, you know, I was looking into the, the comments about this and, um, a lot of people within the comments this is off of uh, the Eurogamer site we're all very much in agreement that well this guy is obviously just a twat and um, yeah. that's that's kind of you know in its purest distilled form yes this guy is obviously a twat um, a lot of people are pointing out that you know they didn't even go looking for this video uh, YouTube's entirely fucked up algorithms somehow made this video as a kind of recommended video to watch uh, which goes into a whole nother uh, olive branch about um issues with youtube of which yeah they are. can't put they can't police their own site no it's like twitter and you're seeing all these sites that are just trafficked by my by millions and billions in some case of people and horrible shit happens on there all the time and instead of having people looking at it which would be impossible because you'd have to employ literally a million people probably to really police it correctly no one can go through it so it is just a big trash fire of shit. Twitter is full of people being abusive to each other, and if it doesn't work into some sort of algorithm when you report it, it's probably not going to get in front of anyone's eyes. I reported someone. This is an example, right, Mark? 
I reported someone on Twitter. I think they called me like a mincer or something like that. Anyway, it was it's a homophobic thing to say, and they meant it like that from the tweet. So I'm like, cool. All right, fair enough. I'm just going to block this person. I'm going to report that. I got an email back from Twitter saying this didn't break any rules, which, you know, fair enough. It's a pretty, it's a pretty run-of-the-mill insult. It's not that bad, but I just thought I'll report it as homophobia anyway. I would say a month later, Mark, I got an email from Twitter saying that this person has been, like, you know, got in trouble for this, blah, 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 and, you know, thanks for your report. That says to me that I got an immediate algorithmic response okay, is this on a banned word list or is this said in this way? No. But then somebody actually combed through that who works for Twitter and found it out. So it's the same with YouTube, probably. If it hadn't been brought to their attention, people might have reported it and they might have been like, oh, okay. But then it would have taken ages to get it. Well, I, like, I'll, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit about um, like my particular line of work. You know, I have to deal on a daily basis uh, with looking at play reports for, hey, this player said this, this player said that. And, yeah. um, you know, we will get players to come to us and say, how comes I'm still seeing stuff within this game? How am I seeing um, certain things being said? And, you know, we can't go to the to the player and say, look, we can't police this game um, from one side to the other and making sure that nothing gets in there. Now, there are steps that we could take that um, to, to limit that, but that's a whole other story. Um, it is very difficult. Um, and you know, this is only a, a game that's nowhere near on the level of a, a YouTube or a Facebook or a Twitter. It is obviously very difficult to um be able to police every single aspect of uh you know content that arrives on their platform. Um, but hey, this particular video, they did take a step to remove it, then put it back up. Um, but it only takes. I think the biggest issue here is it's more the context of the person in question that has made this video. And you take even just a quick glance at the rest of his content and you realize that, yeah, all right, this player has made a video and the content is all within uh, a game. So in a way, all right, it's fair usage. But still, all of his other videos are all like this player is just targeting like ethnic minorities and suffragettes and etc. etc. And it's just... There's nothing more than just this person's being awful for the sake of being awful, and is m- making money off of that, and that's uh, that's just all forms of unacceptable. <laughs> can I just point at the, without mentioning any names, can I just point at America and a particular person in a particular position over there who says horrible things all the time and yet is still very disgustingly rich because of it? And and, and if anything, it does for their popularity amongst certain demographics. Not that I'm, you know, alluding to anything too definite, but <laughs> hey, that's kind of the way those people think now and yeah it's it's tough to see you just you just like like you said when you were talking about the Eurogamer comments you just want people to not be twats yeah you you just want people to have a little bit of a little bit of empathy a little bit of human decency well unfortunately people are awful uh speaking of awful final fantasy 13 trilogy to be xbox (laughs) one backwards compatible now I can't even defend it. Normally, you say something like that about Final <laughs> Fantasy, and I'm like, why, yada, yada. But yeah, it's not a great game. Okay. Um, 
to begin with, why the fuck was there a trilogy of games for Final Fantasy thirteen? What? Don't ask me. What, what? What do you think my name is? Jack Squenix. Like I haven't <laughs> got a clue why they decided to do that. Okay, but how I, how much of Final Fantasy thirteen did you play? The first game. Okay, so you didn't touch Lightning Returns or thirteen two. No. Okay. I All have right. other things that happen. It's yeah. I just I was underwhelmed by the first game. And I remember playing Ten Two back in the day and being excited to play that, and that wasn't much of a game either. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I just bounced off. Thirteen is my least favorite Final Fantasy. I think of the ones that have come out while I've been conscious and playing video games. Um, so from six all the way through to fifteen, if you exclude eleven and, and fourteen, the online ones, because I don't really count them. Uh, it's my least favorite one, I think. That I've played. Uh, would the idea of a, a trilogy of these games in a, a, a complete bundle? I don't know if it's because obviously the, the reason for this uh, news article is that it's being made backwards compatible for the Xbox One. Um, they, they're doing that with a lot of things, uh, which I like because the idea of backwards compatibility, I think I took for granted, like in the early days of like PS2 playing with PS1 games and PS3, like if you. It would only play it would play PS1 games, but like you get a version of it when it launched that played PS2 games and stuff. Yeah. And now it just isn't that. Is there a, a trilogy release of Final Fantasy 13 that was already made, like packaged and bundled, or is this um, the first? Probably, yeah. I think you could probably get that somewhere, but yeah, but, uh, it's a it's cool for people that like the game, and there are definitely people that will be their favorite Final Fantasy. It has to be for, said. The, the the audience that really enjoy Final Fantasy thirteen and the audience that have an Xbox One, it's a very niche audience um, that Square Enix and Microsoft are going for. Um, so fair play for them for uh, appeasing that particular niche part of the audience. But I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like it because you know that rant I had against Nintendo. Like, look at this. Look at somebody taking a property they own and bringing it onto a modern console to try and monetize what you can from it. It's almost as if it's a really easy thing to do, and it's a really easy way to make money. I, well, I would I would never say it's an easy thing to do. Uh, any any part of uh, video game development is uh, nothing. Nothing's ever easy. But I I concede your point. Um. Okay. In Chicago, PlayStation users will soon have to pay a nine percent cloud tax this is interesting why sony issued a warning to users in chicago uh this is from us gamer uh signaling uh chicago's amusement tax which begins on the 14th of november and so we'll collect nine percent more from playstation plus and playstation now among other playstation script subscription services uh the amusement tax does not apply to sales of video games um so if you're in chicago and buy a game from the PS Store, you don't pay extra for that. Uh, it only applies to rentals or considered streaming or temporary downloads, uh, where the charges, uh, like subscription fees, um, per event fees, or otherwise, uh, which is why Plus and Now are affected. Um, so, obviously, this only applies in Chicago. Um, That's a depressing tax. Yeah, what the fuck, hey? Is that something that's come in after they? the whole net neutrality thing as it tied into that maybe. i don't know i mean this is the thing because when you're talking about america uh it, you know because because everything's state by state it's 
Yeah, it's a big old beast of a country. It really like, is. If you order things from certain states, there are certain taxes you have to pay or, or don't pay. And everyone's got like their own individual sort of ecosystem of laws. It's all very complicated. Yeah, um, but I would imagine that uh, anyone um, that has a PlayStation in Chicago uh, isn't particularly fucking thrilled about this. Um, and considering that um, PlayStation Now isn't exactly the most uh, kind of actively used service, um, I can't imagine this is going to do much to compel anyone who didn't already have it. Uh, PlayStation no. Plus obviously being a little bit different because you know, the, the, the incentives for that are a lot more apparent. Um, yes. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, a cloud tax. Uh, I'm curious to see if that's a, a, a phrase that we hear more of over the the incoming years as, as kind of cloud-based uh, memory and services become uh, the, the norm, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a depressing tax. It looks like it's something that will eventually happen over here. And boy, like, I'm not looking forward to it because they're going to find ways to make money off you somehow. Um, yeah, if it's something everyone does, then everyone just sort of begrudgingly accepts it depressingly. So, yeah. Oh, wow. I think the uh, sort of Wild West days, uh, the, the um, net neutrality thing passing and, like, the the thing of copyright that they're trying to pass in, in the European uh like laws at the moment as well which might even prevent people from making memes and stuff like that yeah what the fuck man that was the, the, the sort of halcyon wild west days of the internet are long since dead aren't they uh maybe we all should just go to 4chan i think we just need to get on tour sure yeah <laughs> let's do it uh, maybe maybe this is where bing makes its uh its big return and, and everything is <laughs> We're, we're... Dude, ask Jeeves. I'm waiting for that comeback. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I want to know something on the internet. I'm gonna fucking take this butler for a spin. See what he's got to offer. Oh god. Uh, Eurogamer had an article out about the PlayStation Classic, uh, and they have noted that it's uh, it's a bit of a disappointment. So, in their review, uh, they talk about the, the hardware itself. Um, the the PlayStation Classic. It looks and is shaped very much like the uh, the original PlayStation. Uh, it's obviously a lot smaller in comparison. Uh, the uh, the controller is the it's a one to one version of the original PS One controller, uh, which means there's no analog sticks, there's no uh, rumble features, uh, which I think is quite interesting. Um, but I think from the lineup of games, that's not going to be too much of an issue. Um, it has a micro USB, has a single HDMI out, um, and it has uh, an eject button which is used to change discs in games that are split across several CD-ROMs, such as Final Fantasy Final Fantasy VII. Now, obviously, the big thing that um, oh, and the output is 720p, uh, which is probably the best way to go because uh, most of the games are in 244p, and uh, upscaling anything like th- that. Of that graphical fidelity to, to you know uh, 1080 is probably just going to look a fucking mess um but it'll be interesting to see you know like how the games are playing in, in 30 fps and 60 fps as well so um there's some stuff there that I'm, I'm interested by um the big thing that a lot of people have complained about is the fact that the uh the lineup for this is not um as appealing as some would have hoped for uh at launch and I can't remember if me and, and, 
Dave uh, had already spoken about this. Um, I don't think we have since the announcement came out. Um, so we can kind of have a quick look through and uh, and we can talk about it. I don't know if you have the list up of games uh, with you, otherwise I'll quickly... No, but yeah, me and Dave did speak about this. Uh, so okay. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on the games All right. and whether and whether or not you think there's any sort of glaring omissions that you would... Well, so the obvious thing to talk about, and I again, I don't know if you and Jack spoke about... Uh, sorry, you and Dave spoke about this, but the, the obvious reason or the most kind of what would seem the reason that a lot of the games that you wanted to see uh, on the PlayStation Classic that aren't there is simply just down to, to licensing issues. Um, you're not going to see the likes of Wipeout. You're not going to see the likes of Tony Hawk's 2. Um, you're not going to see the likes of Gran Turismo because just getting the the licenses, whether it be um, music or um, you know car brands and manufacturers, it's just it's just not gonna happen. There's no fucking way um I, I just I don't see it being a cost incentive kind of thing um that Sony will, will jump through hoops for to, to get them available. Um if you I don't know if you agree with that or if that was discussed already. Yeah, I mean I kinda know the reasons. I guess childishly I don't care about them. No, obviously so... obviously you'd want to see them, it goes without saying. Yeah. Like I do, I did really want a Tony Hawk game to be on there. That was the one omission for me that I was like, yeah, that kind of hurts. Like I would love a Tony because I I did buy one because I just think I wanted one for like the memorabilia factor more than anything else. But yeah, yeah, I, I'd love a Tony Hawk game to have been on there. I get why it can't be though. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, I can but- see that there are certain games, um, even without all of that. The, the licensing side of stuff that I find interesting that are not on here. Um, I think that uh, Parasite Eve is a, is a pretty. It, it's kind cool. of it's a kind of a, a, a cult classic to a certain degree, but I still think that it has uh, enough notes variety. Um, medieval being on here is interesting, and I think that is largely just down to the fact that they're making the medieval remake. Yeah. Um I'm surprised I'm surprised that Rayman is on here. Um not because Are I you? think it's bad, because I fucking love Rayman and I love the original. Um but I always felt that it wasn't a game that people weren't really actually that aware of. Like more people at this point are more aware of uh like Rayman Origins and, and um Rayman Legends. Um but that that might just be me. Mm. Um Stuff like Wild Arms, I'm very surprised is on here, and fucking Battle Arena to, Sh- to Shinden. Like, it's interesting enough that they have two different fighters on there, um, and it's also interesting that they went with Tekken Three because I w- was always personally a fan more of Tekken Two. See, uh, this why I I popped huge because Tekken Three is my favorite. Yeah, because uh, I remember we we obviously used to play Tekken Three and, and well all the Tekken games at the time. But I was always more a Tekken 2 guy, uh, but that was because that was that was the one that I owned. Um, I never actually owned Tekken 3. Um, but there is a significant kind of difference in the feel between the two of them. Um, so you, you usually are going to be like on one side or the other with that. Um, Ridge Racer Type 4, I'm not surprised by, you know, that's kind of one of the standout classics of the, the kind of early portion of the PlayStation, so that goes without saying. Um... Intelligent Cube, uh, I was a game that I remember playing a lot as a child, and I'm again surprised that it's on there. Uh, but you know there is some good stuff on there. GTA 
uh, Final Fantasy VII. Are you surprised that there wasn't more Final Fantasy games on there? Or, like, if you're going to have one, you're going to have seven, it goes without saying. Yeah, that, for some reason, eight is being shown nothing but disrespect. I'm going to say it like that as well, because I find it borderline comedic. Like, they announce all of the Final Fantasy games that they're putting on Switch. No eight at all. They put loads of Final Fantasy games on the PS4. No eight. They put, like, Final Fantasy games on Xbox. No eight. What's going on? Why are they doing this to me? Why? (laughs) I don't understand it. It's my favorite game. It's my favorite game ever. And it's just being shown this this level of disrespect. And I'm going to say it again like that. I, I don't get it. So it's either seven or nine, and in a choice between seven or nine, I mean it's it's the obvious go-to. I think if they put more on there as well, those Final Fantasy games were no joke in terms of how big they were. Mark, they oh, used to be uh, yeah. across like four discs. Yeah, yeah. yeah so of course, um, the, the physical limitations of the size of it. Do you know? What? I always wonder with these things, why can't they just have a storefront on it? see it comes preloaded with all these games and it's like all right well you know you can buy this many extra to put on there or something like that that would be cool well this is the thing um is will will sony kind of learn i don't know if you want to say from the mistakes of nintendo but will they have it that uh at some point down the line you will be able to to top this or load this up with with more games i mean I can't think of a single reason why you wouldn't want to do that. The only thing you can do is make more money through this service. But um, considering the way Sony in the past have built their architecture for this kind of stuff, uh, maybe they'll do it in such a way that it's practically impossible. But who knows? Who the fuck knows? Nobody. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> so, so that's that. <laughs> that was delightful. I was like, maybe, maybe Mark moves on to the next thing. He's like, no, I'm just gonna let this so, silence play out. Okay, I love it. Last one, last one. We were doing so well, Jack. Uh, last news piece for the <laughs> no, week. No, that was the best part of the show. <laughs> that, that dead air we just had. <laughs> Um, This is an interesting uh, thing to end on. Welsh Horror Game Sparks Legal Threat uh, for featuring... First of all, those are three words I never expected to see in sequence. Well, it's also Welsh Horror Game and Welsh Metal Band. They're two things that you're just never like, what? Yeah, over Uh, the top. uh, Right, now it's killing time. Uh, An upcoming Welsh Horror Game has drawn fire for featuring a private home in its advertising, uh, and its owner is now considering legal action. Uh, publisher Wales Interactive announced survival horror The Maid of Skur last week uh, using images of the real-life Skur house situated near Porthcourt in South Wales. <laughs> By the way, how is Skur pronounced uh, or written? Uh, S-K-E-R. <laughs> yeah, like, that's quite nice, isn't it? There's a horror game set in Skur. <laughs> you know what? I'd even consider that. Fair point, fair point. I'm real scared, Mark. Uh, uh, it was the first time the owner of the house had heard of the project, and they were perhaps understandably displeased. Uh, the real-life Skur house, and it actually is pronounced just, like, Skur house. It's just like some like Welsh guy with a big moustache. He's just like outrageously, righteously indignant about this whole thing. It's like, hello. How the bloody hell can they do this to me? <laughs> um, but yeah, so this uh, this place, which actually is called, it is pronounced Scare House, 
uh, isn't even featured in the game. Uh, the action it instead takes place uh, within a fictitious hotel of the same name, presumably to avoid the house itself being shown. Uh, yet in a press release announcing the aid of Scare, Wells Interactive mentioned the real-life house prominently. Um, so, yeah. Um, there isn't much really to add to this, but I, it's an interesting little thing here that uh, that maybe this will uh, this will escalate in the oncoming months, and uh, I guess we'll see if the publishers uh, make any attempts to just completely remove any mention of this place. Do you remember? Um, do you remember when Homer first discovered that his head was on a Japanese detergent box? <laughs> do you yeah. remember his reaction where he was like, "Wait the why would they do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> that, like, that just the hopelessness. That must have been this guy. He's like, they're using my house in an advertising campaign, and nobody thought to like give me a heads up. I mean, it's, <sighs> it's just lazy, isn't it? Like, you know, it's a bit like when when a video games company gets caught using like a stock image or something to advertise something and then they haven't properly done that. Do you know what? Sometimes I don't even think it's laziness. Sometimes it could just be ineptitude or just an oversight. I'd like to think it, an oversight because ineptitude is, is much more of a negative connotation. Um, yeah, I mean, well, they both, they're both cousins of ignorance. <laughs> ineptitude is much closer to ignorance than an oversight. Yeah. An yeah. oversight is sort of like unaware and ignorant, whereas ineptitude is just like, well, I could do this, or I could just fucking do nothing. But it, it is just as possible that it could have been an oversight, and for whatever reason... Because you have to think that when it comes to making a video game, there are, uh, you know, there are a lot of different parts to it you have the actual development you have all the parts that go into development but then you have the pr and you have the marketing and you have the legal side of it and you know they're not all sitting in the same office and i could easily see uh just a, a, a breakdown in communication somewhere along the way um, i see a robert plant like communication breakdown indeed indeed has taken hold here yeah probably it's just still it's stupid it's a stupid mistake to make <laughs> I think, anyway. But, you know, you tell me, Mark, as the video game industry maven of this podcast. Um, I, this, I mean, really, I, the thing is, is I, considering I only work in, in customer support, um, you know, again. <laughs> yeah, you've taken that responsibility way more seriously than I intended to give it to you. Alright, fuck <laughs> it, I'm just moving on then, whatever. <laughs> This is my favourite five minutes of any podcast ever. You're a monster. <laughs> I'm having a ball. <laughs> I'm going to end there, and we're going to move on to our book club feature for the week. Um, and as Jack is with us this week, uh, we can finally talk about a game that we have been able to do because Dave, uh, being the party pooper that he is, uh, doesn't actually like this game that much. <laughs> I love that you just referred to Dave as a party pooper. I'd love. I can't wait. Like, I wish we could cut to him live <laughs> to hear his reaction. <laughs> oh dear! Uh, this week we're going back to 2008, and we are going to talk about Grand Theft Auto 4. Thank you. 
Grand Theft Auto 4 is an action-adventure video game developed by Rockstar North and published by Rockstar Games. It was released for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 consoles on the 29th of April 2008 and for Microsoft Windows on the 2nd of December 2008. It is the 11th title in the Grand Theft Auto series and the first main entry since 2004's GTA San Andreas. Set within the fictional Liberty City, based on New York City, the single-player story follows a war veteran, Nico Belich, in his attempts to escape his past while under pressure from loan sharks and mob bosses. The open-world design lets players freely roam Liberty City, consisting of three main islands. Uh, Jack, Grand Theft Auto 4, uh, a pretty... Um, monumental moment in uh in video games and in the gta series um first of all it's uh the kind of official new numbered sequel uh, after gta 3 which in itself was uh, a very pivotal moment in video games and the gta 3 uh, gta series as a whole um can you tell me like going back uh what was your what was your level of, of excitement and anticipation? Um, you know, this is the first Grand Theft Auto game on the new generation of consoles um, coming off of the back of uh, what I still argue is, is the best GTA game in Vice City and then a game that really went in some pretty bold directions in terms of its story and in terms of just its mechanics and just the sheer scale of it with uh, San Andreas. Uh, what was your kind of levels of anticipation for, for GTA 4? Oh, just through the roof. Absolutely through the roof. I was so excited. I would have been 20 when this game came out. And, um, yeah, it was a huge moment. Like, it was like a, an inc- like it's one of the first video game launches that I remember happening at midnight. Like, so I actually went, this is one of the few times I've ever done this. But uh, I had a free house at the time, and I went with Biggs, I think, uh, to get my copy of GTA 4 at, like, midnight. And I'd had my PS3 set up in my front living room and everything, and I played it for, like, a good two or three hours before I, like, went to bed really early and then, like, woke up probably after, like, three or four hours to play it again. So I was a student at the time, Mark. I'd pretty much just wrapped up my first year of university, you know me. I didn't have much else going on, so this was uh, this was a cultural landmark to me. And yeah, it's I, I haven't played and, and poured an awful lot of time into Vice City and San Andreas, respectively. I was ridiculously excited to get to grips with a, a an even more detailed, even more rich uh, graphical experience in GTA 4. How about you, mate? Do you remember, like, initially your reaction when it was coming out and and, and anything from around that time? Yeah, I, I was excited. Uh, so I was at university at the time, and, um, and I was doing a degree in video game design. So uh, not only was I super, super excited to play this game, I was at the time really attempting to think about video games um in a very you know kind of very theoretical way um and very much in terms of just like you know really looking at the game from um all of its components and its design um and just just you know breaking it down um to to really get a better understanding of it and you know just not the fact that the game was made but how it was made um so 
basically I was being a real pretentious prick while playing it, but I found that to be really fascinating. And, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I played during this time, um, I have fond memories of, um, not only because there were some incredible games that came out during this period, um, but also because I was, I was really attempting to look at these games from a different perspective. And, uh, some of the people that I had around me while I was at university with, uh, really helped me to um kind of dive deeper into that and to, to look at uh video games from a, a completely different way that i'd never done before uh now with that said the most fun i ever had with the game was just fucking around in the online mode and flying helicopters around the statue of wasn't the statue of liberty what the fuck was it called yeah well in the game yeah was it what was it called the statue of uh hang on i have to look this up now yeah it is the Statue of Liberty in the game. Is that what it's no, called? Statue of Happiness. Statue of Happiness, that's the one. Yeah. Um, I just remember um, fucking around where some guy stood on the top of the Statue of Happiness after he jumped off a helicopter and then was firing rockets at other helicopters that were flying around. Um, so as much as I was trying to put my uh, smart-ass glasses on and look at this game in a fancy way, I was I was too busy fucking around in, in the online uh, mode. Which... Um, is one of the things I guess we, we could talk about is the fact that, you know, this is the first Grand Theft Auto uh, to... Unless I am mistaken, I don't remember San Andreas maybe did. I, I never played any uh, online stuff with the PS2 because uh, it was still limited at the time. But this was definitely yeah. for me... It was the first seamless online experience from a Grand Theft Auto game. Yeah, uh, and certainly, you know, this was the time where online play was becoming just a, a common part of uh of console gaming and um you know the 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 heists and the, the different things that you could do uh, and then the just the general kind of online play to fuck around uh were you know pretty amazing features of the time which are now just kind of commonplace with gta online um but i just i i actually didn't finish uh gta 4 for about six months because I lost myself for about three months just fucking around in the online mode. It's easy enough to do. Like, it's... Oh, hello? I'm st- you're still here. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it's easy enough to do because it is, like, it is genuinely... <laughs> it's more of a pure experience. So GTA Five, there's loads of stuff to do. And it keeps you going and, like, there's heists and all sorts of crazy stuff going on this was like one of the first times there was like a real just sandbox to mess around in that wasn't tied to some sort of mmo style experience like no this is just a load of people in a map and it's funny because you know this game came out in in 2008 and it it's not a battle royale because you die and you just come straight back in but it very much feels like a, a sort of distant cousin of of that, the battle royale. I think like is what what's formed away from it. And and GTA Four is the first game I remember having like that big sandboxy experience in like just amazing like graphics and just yeah, you could it, you go straight in with your friends and just start firing and you weren't in lobbies and all that stuff it was just like boom no here you are in this giant version of of new york city 
go and fire some rockets at some helicopters and just do crazy stuff, and which which was fantastic. But Mark, the main thing I really want to talk about this game, and the reason I wanted to bring this game up this week, and um, why I think in, in the run, is because I think this is the best storyline from any Grand Theft Auto game. What do you think? Interesting. Ah, okay. All right. Okay. Um, now, I'm... Because there are a lot of people that um, aren't a fan of GTA 4, um, partially because uh, some people, uh, you know, um, think fondly back to Vice City and just how mad that game was. And the fact that it didn't really take itself too seriously. Yeah. The main character was a homicidal maniac. Yeah. You, you, there's not a lot to latch onto there, yeah. connection-wise. But, but always, it is a whole heap of fun. But I always find it interesting where people kind of say that. Because, I mean, obviously San Andreas is mad in its own way. But it's still got a, a pretty gritty storyline to it. And uh, I always find it interesting when people say that they didn't like the... Uh, GTA 4 was was too serious and too uh, too kind of gritty because uh, I feel that there are a lot of elements to San Andreas that also kind of fit that description. Um, True, but there's a lot more customizable options and stuff going on, and it has the RPG element to it. Whereas... Yeah, I mean, San Andreas is just so massive on a completely yeah. insane scale that they wouldn't kind of come close to again until GTA 5. Uh, yeah. where GTA 4 strips a lot of that away, which I think is one of the big uh, kind of common uh, complaints that people But have. I liked it, because what space they did have felt significant, as opposed to, there's wild, I mean, and it's probably the first sandbox game where you could really say that, it's like, and, and it seems to be the way that sandbox games in general have gone, but there's wild, massive areas of San Andreas you probably just don't need to be in or don't need to go to like initially north of like the whole sort of, you know, South central LA uh, remake. There's just like all of that dead land up there that doesn't really do a lot on the third Island. There's just a lot of desert land area that doesn't really do a lot or need much sort of visiting. Whereas everything in GTA four felt significant to me. In, in all of the New York City sort of areas and that you explored and the depth of detail. It's like, I think it was a sixth the size of the map, but yet it felt like a richer environment. Anyway, um, so like, go back, to the, go back to the story. I think that this game was one of the first games that I felt gave me choices like big choices, big dramatic choices within the game that are actually hard hitting and made me really think about what I was doing. So I don't know how much you remember to the story, um, but the fact that Nikkei came over to America, initially you're sort of to believe that it's because his cousin has been bigging up, you know, how... He's got it great in America, this wonderful life. And then Nico... Yeah, when he's just, in fact, a total scumbag. Yeah, and he goes and move over there, and he's, like, living in an apartment with cockroaches, and it's just an absolute nightmare. But Nico's real reason for coming over is because his he was an ex-military man. He's sort of from... 
nondescript Eastern Europe, but it seems to me that it's a kind of former Yugoslav Republic that it would come from, especially with a name like Belic, which is a very sort of Serbian, Croatian kind of name in, in terms of its origins. But he, he was in a military unit and a bunch of his men got shot and was screwed either screwed over by one of two people one of these people he knows is is in liberty city so that's like one of the main reasons he comes over there um anyway it turns out the one guy that he thinks it is isn't and the reason that he disappeared is because he's actually gay and he can't really accept like his sexuality around all of the people in his home country so he completely reinvents himself gets an americanized name and like just yeah lives as, as a gay man in new york city which i've got to say is one of my favorite twists that's ever happened in any game i just really wasn't expecting it it leads up to this moment nico's like i've been trying to get this guy for ages and then it's like no this guy's just uh this guy's just out now and proud but he couldn't really do that in his home country but it's when you come to actually track this guy down sort of towards the end of the game. And then there's the moment where you realize that he's just this sort of pathetic, like sort of shell of a man who sold all of his mates out for like, a, it was like a thousand dollars or something in the game. And then the game just sort of hands it over to you. Like, do you want to execute this guy that has been tracked down and given to you? Or do you just want to let him go? And that's one of those ones where like, not even like saying it as a as a thing to do, but like I actually put the controller down and thought, "Fuck, do I really want to kill this guy? Would would my character kill this guy?" And then properly made me mull it over with all the information that I had, whether or not you want to execute somebody that's really basically got nothing left, and is that going to give you closure? And is it going to give Nico closure? But then you in game, having played up to this point and followed the story along do we really want to kill this guy when he has nothing to offer that I think, I don't know if you can remember anything prior to that Mark, but to me, like that was a real tough moment to sort of debate in my head, whether I wanted to do it. And can you think of anything in video games before that 2008 that gave you that level of a dilemma? Um, nothing um, before that, but certainly, um, off the top of my head, when I think of games that have done that kind of thing since, um, I think of something like Papers, Please, where the, yes. you know the core mechanic of that game is having these awful dilemmas presented to you um, in, in ever-increasing and escalating fashion. Um, but yeah, I, I think that um, one of the things about GTA 4 and its story is that there isn't, um, there isn't a lot of joy to it, you know. Um, there's, there's... No. There's a, a mad escapism to uh, Vice City, and San Andreas is such a... I don't know the way to describe San Andreas, but it's so... No, nothing, nothing's coming to me. But with GTA 4, it's, it's so unrelentingly bleak at points, and it doesn't really provide a lot of uh, optimism. Um, and no, because the... every yeah every path you turn down, like there are a few of those choices in the game that get to you, but there's never they never win. Like there's the little wins that Roman and Nico end up having, or it's something always seems to be waiting around the corner and getting getting progressively more difficult to handle. And you kind of feel like if these people were outsiders to this crime world in New York, just probably how it would go for them as well. 
like Roman would have been long dead if Nico hadn't come over and sort of intervened. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and I like spoiler alert, like it, it could, depending on the choice you make, end up quite badly for Roman at the end of the game. Um, but yeah, it it is like really tough. Some of the things that you, you have to deal with, and it does kind of feel like one of those sort of crime thrillery movies where like you know there's not many people getting out of there alive and there's not much sanity to be had for the characters but it kind of feels like quite a realistic story and you you weirdly connect to this guy and the struggles that he's facing all, all very real and i don't know if that just was a bit too depressing for some people possibly i think because like you know gta3 um it's not exactly that involving with a story and you play a, 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 a voiceless protagonist. Who's um, called Claude, who's which called is Claude. a ridiculous name in, for a protagonist. In Vice City, that game is such a fucking cartoon that, you know, it's it's just, it's Scarface, but times ten. So, yeah, there's you're nothing a madman. Yeah. Like, uh, you see Tony Montana's humble beginnings, whereas Tommy Massetti starts the game as a madman, and at the end of the game, he's an even madder yeah. madman. <laughs> And uh, San Andreas is, uh, you know, is kind of like a caricature almost of um, kind of nineties gangster culture. Um, yeah, it but... tries to see the thing about San Andreas is it tries to be too many things. I think possibly, possibly, and like it, it goes down a lot of story avenues. Like the initial thing of like the the Grove and all of that, and you know the the, the the section of society that they that they're heading towards with that that gangster thing it it starts off like that and it ends up like that but in the middle just there's so many ridiculous crazy things that can happen that it really is a sort of mixture of what they want to do a serious character study or a serious point of of reference for a time where by the way in the middle of it you're going to go to like an air base and you're going to get like a jet Sure. And <laughs> all kind of crazy stuff happens. But the thing is, is, is like, Nico is, you know, the most kind of grounded attempt by Rockstar at this point to, uh, well, to, to make a, a kind of grounded character or someone who, at least there is a semblance of realism that this is a character that could exist and that this story could exist within, um, you know, a, an Eastern European coming over to, to pursue the American dream in, yeah. in um, new york effectively you know that's a very and he's a very bitter man for a lot of the game because very horrible shit happened yes justifiably so and has led him up to that point and and he doesn't hide it like you will get monologue he will talk about how depressing x situation is because that's his life and it, it kind of sucks and he doesn't want to do a lot of the things that he's doing like you know, as opposed to Tommy Vassetti, where it's like the mission will be like, make sure you blow, you know, five people's heads off with this sniper rifle. Uh, and you kind of feel like, even if there's not a lot of commentary, he revels in that. Nico, he is a very good soldier and he has like, he is good at combat and he can shoot and he can fly helicopters and he can do all that stuff from a military perspective. You just get the feeling like he doesn't really want to do it. Unless somebody kind of puts him in that direction they goad him down that path or whatever and it, it makes sense in the story but like the cho- the choices that he has to make he doesn't want he, he doesn't want to he finds it difficult and i like that 
it feels more realistic to me. And it could be because both at the core, we're some depressive bastards, Mark. I don't know why. Possibly. But there when, is that. When there's a game about the darkness sort of within and the actions that lead you to, to doing these dark things, <laughs> I, I find it far more of an interesting character study Yeah. Uh, than, than any other Grand Theft Auto game. From the gameplay perspective as well, it was the first GTA game that introduced cover shooting, and oh my god, thank god for that. So, yeah. <laughs> some of those old GTA games where you just have to literally run and gun, I, and, I tell you and what, sometimes run around in circles I'll just to what, avoid play, stuff. Playing any of those PlayStation 2 GTA games it can oh. can be a real shock to the system um, when you kind of instinctively want to try, and hide, try to hide behind a car, and you're like, oh... No, no, that's not a thing I can do. Right, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I this this was the era of the uh, over over the shoulder uh, combat. Um, yeah, the Gears high... of War popularized it's, it. It's the Gears of War uh, system, basically. Now, that's not to say that uh, GTA Four had this particular style of combat down uh, with any kind of degree of fluidity. Um, Lord knows they'd be spending years trying to get that down. Because as mentioned earlier with Red Dead Redemption 2, um, these games, the combat and shooting, uh, they're only kind of part of the the grander scheme of things with what you do in, in GTA. And to be honest, the thing that you do more than anything else in the Grand Theft Auto game is drive. Uh, so yeah, the, the shooting had come along. Um, it still would have a long way to go, um, even to this day. But it was a welcome addition and... Um, the, I mean, honestly, for me, with with most of the the Rockstar games, like the combat is the the least uh, the, the least memorable thing for me uh, outside of flying around in helicopters with rocket launchers. Um, one of the big things about GTA Four was uh, the driving and how they had made significant tweaks to it. And I did feel at first that the driving felt very heavy and very weighted and like they'd really kind of they'd gone overboard in trying to make it as realistic as possible but over time i got accustomed to it and i found it kind of uh, comfortable and easy to use i don't know about you yeah i agree so the thing that i thought and i i don't know if this had been in any other game up to this point i, I invite people to tweet link to the cast and correct me on this but this the gps thing where you're on a mission you need to drive somewhere and you can just open your map, you can click the point where you want to drive to, and then the GPS lines appear like on your mini map. Dude, that was a fucking godsend to me. I'm like, oh, thank God. Like you're not constantly opening your map trying to figure out where you need to go. You've you've got a very specific route and it's there spelled out for you. So that's one thing I really liked about the driving. Uh another thing was the ability to just take a taxi as well, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you could take a taxi and you could skip to a mission. But, uh, yeah, the actual driving, like, some people found it, uh, some people found it difficult uh, and it a bit clunky and a bit heavy and stuff. But I like, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was a real step up from, like, what we'd had up to that point in the way that the cars handled and yeah, and I, I love the damage on the cars was really good as well. Like, it, you know, individual panels of your car becoming crumpled or, you know, if you would like just ram your car into something, you could go flying through the windscreen or whatever and then just explore what 
twisted metal nonsense was left of your car after I, I will not lie one of my favorite things consistently uh was to find any kind of small fixed objects that i could ram the car into and watch nico just go careening out of the front windshield and, and never got old did it never got old and it was even better if like you did it where you was like next to a bridge as well and you would go flying over the bridge and fall for a while as well um yeah, yeah. that's what i wanted to say as well was and I was trying to find a nice segue. Ragdoll physics just, are great. Yeah, they are. You've just given me it. Yes, the physics in this game are unreal. So much fun. I don't know. Like, there's. I think there's a specific engine that, that they bought Rockstar or maybe helped develop. Because they had their own Rage engine. But, like, the actual, like, ragdoll physics and stuff to it. Like, when you get hit, you know, you people, like, grab parts of their anatomy and like you could just run up to pedestrians and push them over and watch them go flying into the road or all kinds of weird stuff uh yeah and this was this was done with the rage engine which um includes gta 4 red dead redemption max Payne 3 gta 5 and red dead redemption 2 it's glorious and this is the real kickoff of it yeah. being a thing in my life and I, I i loved it they just nailed that and yeah i that there's so much good to say about this game and uh, i will say this my favorite thing from gta 4 more than anything else wasn't actually gta 4 it was the ballad of gay tony yes which was brilliant and, and it was it's... everything that people hadn't had up to that point which was a, a weird colorful storyline with crazy people. yeah because it was basically like all right you wanted vice city in gta 4 fine here you go um yeah, it, color is, is a good word to use, and just taking the more kind of mad aspects of what uh, of what Rockstar are c- uh, capable of, and um, putting it in in this episodic content. Uh, I yeah, fucking the the Battle of the Gay Tony is. Um, I think for me, up until this point, other than um, the moment you arrive in Mexico in Red Dead Redemption, it's probably my kind of consistently kind of favorite thing that Rockstar have ever done. Oh, wow, that is a that's some statement you do just I, pulled out there towards re- the end of a podcast. <laughs> do I really, really do like the the bit when you come into Mexico? But you know, it's... yeah, no, the Ballad of Gay Tony is fun. The Lost in the Damned is really good as well, but it doesn't get as much love because Ballad of Gay Tony just like is screaming from the rooftops, crazy. So I, I think people tend to remember that. Plus, the Lost as the the biker gang was probably one of the more sort of weak source parts of GTA 4. Mm. When you're dealing with like when you're dealing with like the mob and stuff like that, there's characters in there and and the McCreary family as well, like Packy is is hilarious and um all of that like the the woman the girl that Nico ends up dating from the McCreary family, like they're all really cool. And the heist mark, the center the centerpiece of this game. Now like lots of people think about GTA like five and like the real peak points in the story being the heists and the more fun things to do online this was the first like to me this was the first heist in a gta game it felt like you were a genuine part of and as a guy that spent a lot of his life watching heist movies and really loving them like you know being mesmerized by oceans 11 when i was like 11 or 12 or whatever how good was the bank robbery in this game like it was so cool do you know what I feel like I'm gonna to have to go back and and go back over that because it's, it's the it's something that I 
vaguely remember, but I don't have any input I can give at this time. I'm going to have to go back and watch it. Yeah, it's it's just fantastic. Like the whole thing like plays out, and you get to to go through like underground tunnels and stuff, and you know everything in that game had been leading up to that point um, for you just to pull off this heist. And yeah, it, it it's really really good, really really fantastic. There's like a there's loads of let's plays of it. Uh, if you I'd wanted to, so. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be able to find something pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, but sorry. Yeah, I, I, if anyone, if anybody wants to to look at this game and they can't be bothered to play it, one of the real high points is is the heist that um that Nico and the, and the McCreary family pull off in a bank in this game, and yeah, I think the voice acting, particularly of those guys. The voice, the the voice acting. That, I mean, the voice acting across Rockstar Games in general. Uh, some of the is kind brilliant. Of, yeah, some of the, yeah. the higher end uh, levels of quality that you'll get in video games. Um, yeah, uh, I am going to leave this to you. You can give me the uh, the sales pitch, the elevator pitch for GTA Four. I see. Eastern European man comes over to New York looking for the American dream. When. He's secretly looking for revenge and closure and finds a whole lot of madness and darkness where he thinks that could be. And it plays out in a delicious 50 to 60 hours of, of mayhem, fun, and trips to bowling with your crazy cousin. Excellent. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and most podcast platforms. Just search Link to the Cast. Give us a subscribe, a rating, a review. It all helps. The website is linktothecast.eu, and if you want to get in touch, drop us an email at linktothecast at gmail.com, facebook.com forward slash linktothecast, uh, on Twitter at linktothecast. We're nearly at 100, uh, 100 follows, nearly there. Uh, I am Mark, and <laughs> see what you've done there, Jack, you bastard. Uh, I am Mark, you can follow me at Lithium Project. He is Jack Lazell, and you can follow him at Jack Lazell. Uh, when he's around, you can follow Dave at the Dave Today. Uh, if games aren't your only interest, we have... <laughs> it's the day-to-day of poor bastard. The day-to-day. Something like that. The day-to-day. The day-to-day is a person, um, but it's not Dave. Alas. If games aren't your only interest, we may have other podcasts for you. We have The Grap Up, which, good God, we actually need to do one of them soon because we are quite far behind when it comes to them. A, uh... I think we should just do a four-hour in-time review of the WWE Saudi pay-per-view from a few weeks ago. I was going to say we could spend four hours talking about Becky Lynch, but sure, whatever, I guess. No, I want to talk about Shawn Michaels and Triple H versus Undertaker I, and um, I don't ever, and I don't ever want to ever, 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 ever discuss that fucking thing in any capacity. It's so fantastic. No. It's everything you want it to be and so much less. So we do that. Um, sometimes me, Dave, Jack, and a friend of the show, the chair, chair cast, the chair shop podcast owned Barry Murphy. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was a mouthful. Uh, our most recent show, apparently, apparently, uh, Jack, our most recent show was a huge breakdown of WrestleMania week. That's how long <laughs> Which ago. Which year? Yeah. 2015. <laughs> uh, we have the Popcorn Social, a, I want to say monthly, but, uh, yeah, a deep dive every now and again into the latest or not-so-latest cinema offerings with Jack Lazell and Dave Ryan. 
plus one offering from each of them on uh, every show uh, from their own personal list of favorite yeah. movies. Mark, that sixty, <laughs> that gone in sixty seconds cast is coming. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've got so many thoughts. <laughs> I've just got Christopher Ecclestone underlined with a colon that says "furniture pervert" next to him, so you can uh, you can break that apart when you listen to it. Oh, and with that on that bombshell, uh, as noted, I am Mark Robinson. He has been Jack Lazell. Jack, once again, as always, I do appreciate you taking. Uh, time out of your schedule to come and uh, cover for me and Dave when yeah. we are just too useless to actually do this at the same time. Listen, mate, I always have a good time and I've got, you know, take time out of my busy schedule of looking at Marcus Alonso's hair to uh, to join in with this. So, yeah, <laughs> what are you going to do? Oh, boy. Well, um, yeah, until next time, um, you'll stay safe out there and look after each other. <laughs>